0: Good morning, and welcome to episode number five of We Choose to Rise. So, I don't know if y'all remember in one of the first four episodes, I told you that there was a piece of my life that I, a thing that I wanted to accomplish, but that I wasn't just, wasn't quite ready to share it with everyone yet, Um, and so I apologize, because that very reason, I guess my lack of bravery, if you will, um, I didn't want to share it because I was so afraid that, what if I failed? you know, what if I told y'all that this is what I wanted to do, and then I failed, so I didn't just fail privately, um, which we do all the time, right, when we break promises to ourselves, but what if I failed publicly? Um, I was just so terrified of that, and so I just um, went within like we always do, and went on that journey alone, and you know, since I said went within, it just reminded me, I'm sitting here this morning next to a very beautiful and very dead butterfly, I walked outside to let my puppies out to go potty this morning because they wake me up at 6 a.m. to do so. And there was this beautiful yellow butterfly just sort of flailing around in the grass. And I felt so bad for him. Um, Anyone that knows me very well knows that butterflies are my favorite creatures on earth, minus my children, of course. Um, I just think that they're beautiful. I think that what they represent is beautiful, right? Here is something that once crawled on its belly and you know it built a cocoon around itself it fought to get out of that cocoon right like if you help a butterfly come out of its cocoon it won't develop the strength it needs in its wings you can't help it right you have to it has to do its whole process and then it emerges this beautiful beautiful little creature who lives on flowers and flies on the wind how amazing is that right and so this poor little guy was flailing around in my yard And I decided to help him. I grabbed a garden spade because I know you can't touch them because the oil from our fingers, their wings are so delicate. And so when I got him on the garden spade, and it was a little windy this morning, I realized that his wings were so damaged and it just broke my heart. So I brought him. First, I put him in my garden just on a leaf. But I thought, geez, if I were a butterfly and I were going to die... I'd want to die on a flower, right? Because that's what they love. So I scooped him back up and I brought him out to my front yard and I put him on our rose bush. Um, And that didn't really seem to work either. So I cut the rose that he was on and placed him in a beautiful box of succulents that my mother-in-law got me for Mother's Day. And I just put rose petals all around him and told my little friend, I am so sorry that, I mean, his wings are just torn right? Like he fought to get those wings and then something somewhere somehow tore them and it killed him. That's so sad, is it not? So yes, I wrapped myself in my own little cocoon because I was afraid of failure. I was afraid of people knowing that I failed. Um, And so for that, I'm sorry for not being brave because maybe sharing the journey even more while it was happening would have been uh, a light for someone else, but whatever. I wasn't brave enough at that time and here we are now. So a year and a half ago, I wanted to do a year with no alcohol. I I don't really know how it started or what made me think it, but I just remember thinking actually I take that back. I do know what. So I do a network marketing business and I was always saying to my friend, you know, I don't have time. You know, she was always telling me, everyone has time. And I was like, girl, you don't understand. I don't have time. I don't watch TV. I don't, you know, I don't do anything. I work, I take care of my kids and I go to bed. Like that's my life. I don't have downtime. I hardly ever do anything outside of the things I have to do. And so one night I was sitting out on my front porch, um, drinking wine and smoking cigarettes with my husband. And all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh. This is what I do, right? Like, she kept telling me, everyone has a time sucker. And I was like, nope, not me. You don't know me. My life's different. I'm busy all the time. How much time was I spending medicating my life because I didn't want to deal with my life, right? So I decided that I was like, you know what? What if I just did a year? What if I did one year with no alcohol? And just see how different my life is, right? Like, see what I accomplish in that year. What if I could use those hours and time that I sit outside putting poison in my body? What if I were using them to sleep instead, so I could get up earlier or whatever? So that's really, I think, what kind of spawned it. Um, And I made it a month. I made it from, you know, January first to thirty first ish or whatever. I did. I made it about a good month, and then I, and then I broke and I had a drink and you know, did the thing that we do, right? Beat myself up over it, told myself that I was total failure, whatever. But then you pick yourself back up and you do it again, right? That is the one thing with all my personal development that I will say my time in between failures is less, right? I used to spend a lot of time in the land of the failure. Oh, you're a big failure. You screwed up. I remember I probably told you guys this before. I did actually in one of my previous four episodes as well. When my counselor said to me, well, when you just have one Oreo, you don't just throw the whole diet away, right? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, no, I do, right? I do. That's the kind of person I am. I'm an all-or-nothing girl. And so, yeah, if I had a drink or screwed up or had a smoke, then to me I failed. And there was no point in continuing to try. That's what my mindset used to be like. And so I spent basically the next year of my life, including when I started this podcast, you know, trying um, – trying to to go without drinking. And, and I started to realize this pattern emerged, right? I could go. See, I've never had a drinking problem, but I've always loved the recovery community. So like, I never really knew where I fit, right? Like I, I felt like a fraud being a part of the recovery community because I'm not an alcoholic. But at the same time, I knew that there was something there that drew me to the accountability and the authenticity of recovery people, right? They own their business. They take inventory there. I mean, right. It is just this really powerful way of life. And I, and I loved that. And there was something about it that I liked so much, but I just, I didn't know where I fit into it. And I didn't know why I was so drawn to it and what it was that I was struggling with. And, and what I finally realized was that the only time I drank was when I was stressed out. The only time I drank and smoked, right? Because smoking for me, I mean, there were times I was embarrassed to admit I was a smoker, right? I used to work at a hospital, I work at a medical billing company. Like I am not the type of person that people think smokes, right? Which I remember to me that's funny, because I've been smoking since I was fifteen, right? So to me, in who I in my DNA, I'm a smoker. I've been smoking for longer than I haven't been smoking. But people who knew me as an adult, when I would tell them, they were like, Oh my gosh, you smoke. And I was like, Yeah, I do. And it was this dirty secret that I hid, right? Didn't want anyone to know it about me except those closest to me. Um, but the thing about it was is that I quit both times I was pregnant. I quit both times while I was nursing. And I nursed both my children, one for a year and one for a year and a half. But the thing is, is that both times, slowly after they were no longer needing my body because I didn't quit for me friends I quit for them I can do things for other people but for some insane reason I'm not capable of doing things for myself and and that really has been something I've been studying you know a lot and trying to understand and I think a lot of it just comes down to worthiness um and we can get all to that in another day but right I wasn't worth that time and energy but they were I knew they were um, but so as soon as they didn't need my body anymore, you know, slowly I would have a drink. And for me, drinking equals smoking. I, I it's the only time I really super smoke is when I drink. And so I could go on a normal day and smoke maybe one or two cigarettes. Um, but if I drank, you know, I'd smoke a half pack or a whole. I mean, seriously, it was just ridiculous. So what I realized was this emerging pattern that I only drank when I was stressed out which really unveiled something, something huge for me, which was the fact that I've been doing that since I was 15 years old. When I was 15, my home life was a little rough around the edges. Um, My dad got custody of me and my sister um, away from my mom when I was in kindergarten, and that's a whole other story as well. Um, My mom was not a bad mom, and she did not deserve to have her children taken away from her, but here we were. And so when I was 15, my dad was on his fourth marriage and his wife at the time was very concerned that I was going to become someone that I wasn't. I was the good girl, right? I was straight A's. I was in sports. I was like the dream stepdaughter, right? Like stepdaughter that everyone wishes that they had, um, unless you're emotionally impaired. But anyway, I, she had done things when she was and so she was just convinced that I was going to become who she was. And so she kept telling my dad I was doing all these things that I wasn't doing. My friends were doing those things, but you know, I was, I was saying no. And anyway, so I started smoking out of spite. I literally started smoking to make them angry. Um, and that's also when I started using drugs and alcohol, right? Because my home life was so horrible. I mean, it was just a battlefield, you know, it was an uncomfortable place to be. And, um, even my friends at 15 years old would, you know, tell me, you know, you shouldn't use those substances tonight. I don't think you're a good emotional state. So I started at that age when life got too tough to take. I found an escape. I found that drugs and alcohol were an escape. They were a place for me to not have to deal with my life. But what I didn't realize was that that continued into my adult life. So up until having my kids, sure, I I probably drank more than I should out of boredom, right? I was waiting tables, I worked at a brewery where you were served a dollar beer if you worked there. I mean, they were basically breeding alcoholics, right? And and that industry does have that, you know, so but it was never you know, I didn't wake up and need a drink. I didn't lose jobs because I had drinks. I didn't harm other people. you know, I just um I I was more of a binge drinker, right? I don't drink a lot, but then when I would drink I would totally get intoxicated and then say really stupid stuff. Tell you what, this girl will say anything to anyone when she's had a few drinks. And then you wake up and you want to crawl in a hole and die. You're like, oh my gosh, what did I say? Anyway, so I just realized though that since I was 15, that that was the pattern of my life, right? And so the reason at this point in my life, I was struggling with the alcohol was because this season of my life was hard. And so I was reaching for it more than I ever had In my adult life and I was feeling that but I didn't know why right I knew I wasn't an alcoholic but I didn't understand why why was I drinking so much and why was I feeling guilt and shame over it right which I will say if you are an alcoholic or you are someone who struggles with that you know I'm grateful that God let me go through this season because you know when we don't understand other people's journey or struggle until we struggle ourselves right for that year The guilt and shame that I felt over not understanding why my alcohol consumption was concerning me, even though it wasn't interfering with my life, even though it wasn't interfering with anything, for me, it was bothering me at the frequency that it had become, and I couldn't understand, like, did I have a problem, right? I mean, you know all the questions. You're just trying to put your finger on the pulse. You know something's off, but you don't know why, and you can't figure it out, and you know some of us just stay there. And some of us, like my little beautiful dead butterfly friend over here, we put a cocoon around ourselves, we go deep within, and we figure out why and we emerge better and stronger. I wasn't going to stay stuck there. I was going to do whatever it took to rise up out of that situation and figure out what was going on. And so I decided a year with no alcohol was what I wanted to do. I thought that was just the answer. And then after struggling through an entire year of it, realizing that my pattern was stress, it helped me uncover the truth, which was that when my life is too tough to take, I want to check out, right? I want to check out. It's so much easier to have a drink and make the pain go away. It's so much easier, you know, to to eat a substance, you know, eat a substance, eat a cookie, take a substance, drink alcohol, watch a show, right? We all do things to numb the pain in our life because we don't want to feel The things we don't want to feel anxious we don't want to feel depressed we don't want to feel angry we don't want to feel worthless or hopeless or whatever it is that causes you to medicate but it that's what you're doing right you are sedating your life but here's the thing when you're doing that you're also taking away the joy that you're meant to feel right I I do still feel stress I do still have days where I think about a cigarette or alcohol But I am here to tell you friends that on June 26th, I just celebrated six months, six months tobacco and alcohol free. And that does not mean those six months were not full of days and triggers because they were, I mean, and that's the thing I think that's blown my mind the most. I thought it would be so easy. I thought it would be so easy. You know, once I got through those first, I'd say three weeks, those were the worst. Those were the hardest. The triggers were the most frequent, right? But I got, I got through them. And, and then I kind of thought I was good. Like I was like, man, I got this thing in the bag, right? But then we went on our first family vacation. I, I mean, up until our family vacation, I never thought about drinking or smoking, but all of a sudden we were on vacation, right? And, and on vacation, you know, your life's different. I'd get up in the morning and have a cup of coffee and go step out on the balcony and smoke a cigarette or, you know, being at Disney made me want to have, I mean, you know, the number of adults with adult beverages at Disney, let's just say friends, it's a crazy place, right? It's happy for the kids, but everything costs a million dollars. You're trying to squeeze 500 million things. in. I mean, we really know how to take the joy out of things, but it was crazy, right? Because it's that stress and it's that thing in, in just like a kid who wants their pacifier and their blankie, right? We want ours too. And, and so I was really surprised by that. And then, you know, and then I had surgery on my foot. I had, a mole removed that was cancerous and I had to go back and they literally performed surgery on the side of my foot and cut a I don't know inch chunk out of the side of my foot and so then I couldn't do exercise anymore and that was the thing I'd been relying on, you know, to bring that was my new high. And so I had to literally rely on my faith and my mindset to get me through those two months. I was I felt like everything that I enjoyed or that took away the pain Had been taken away from me, but you know what? For the first time in my life, I learned how to feel that pain and I let it do its job. I had a friend say to me once that pain is a great educator and fear is a great motivator, right? Pain is a great educator. We are supposed to feel pain so we can learn. We're not supposed to not feel things. We're not supposed to just cruise through this life. It was not, It is not Disneyland. It is not supposed to be this perfect, happy place where characters are singing and dancing and parades are going on all day. Life is pain. And that pain teaches you things. And if you continue to take that pain away and you medicate yourself, you don't allow yourself to feel and learn and you get stuck. You get stuck. I was stuck. And that's actually what launched my entire personal development. I found a journal. I found a journal over two years ago, a little over two years ago. And it was my old journal from, so my husband and I, super quick backstory. We lived in Michigan. We live in Michigan. We moved out to Idaho for three years and then we moved back to Michigan, um, And maybe on another day all of that will be relevant. But today that's all you need to know. I found a journal after we'd been living back in Michigan for a year from before we had moved to Idaho. And the things, friends, that I was writing in that journal were still happening. And it literally just stole my thunder. The same way that my beautiful little dead butterfly friend here's ripped wings took his life. I was like are you kidding me? All these years, all these things I've learned and felt and changed and grown. And I am, I'm complaining and saying the same thing this many years later. How is it even possible? You know, I think that I'm strong. I think that I'm capable of doing, I mean, it literally, and I was like, okay, then you've got to change what you're doing, girlfriend. You have to change your point of view. And so for the first time in my life, Instead of focusing on what everybody else around me was doing, I started focusing on the one thing I can control, me. I can't control what my husband's doing, what my sister's doing, what my best friend's doing, what any, my children are doing, what, what the politics in the world are doing. I can't, what my church is doing or not doing, right? I have no control over any of those things. The only thing you have control over in this life is yourself what you choose to say, what you choose to do, right? My husband used to say it to me all the time, right? You're supposed to clean up your side of the street. So I decided to make my side of the street so beautiful that it couldn't help but make the other sides of the street that rub up against mine want to be beautiful too, right? When my neighbor edges his lawn and I see how nice it looks, I could care less, friends. I could care less about an edged lawn. But when I see his nice edged lawn and then he offers to help me edge mine, I'm like, actually, you know what? Yeah, that looks really good. I actually am a fan of it now. It's work. It is the first time we did it. It was so much work. It was out of control. It took like the entire morning because there was so much dirt and sand and overgrowth all over the sidewalk where it didn't belong, right? But once we cleaned that line up and made it look all nice, man, that clean line looks beautiful. And you know what? We edged it again. He edged it again for me this this spring. And you know, it was still work, but it wasn't nearly as much work as it was last year because the first one was the worst. We'd never done it before. So I just... I decided to clean up my side of the street. That's what you have control over. You have control over you. You can control what you focus on. If you focus on all the negativity, if you focus on all the things that you can't control, I promise you one thing will happen. You will feel very, very depressed because you don't have control over those things. You feel helpless. You feel powerless. Tell me, when you feel helpless and powerless... Do you feel like making change? No, you don't even want to get out of bed. You don't even want to get out of bed when you feel that way. But when you start to say, okay, I'm going to own this. I am going to own this. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. These are the choices I'm making. And I'm going to fail. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to screw up. I mean, that is just life. If you're not failing, you're not trying. And you know, that's where I say to you now that I was so terrified of admitting to an audience that I wanted to go for a goal that I didn't know if I could do it. And and that took away from me being able to share with you during that journey. And it also took away from me realizing that if I did fail, you know, then owning that failure would have been okay too. I mean, I failed for that whole, but it's all good. I'm not gonna beat myself up over that. It's still a struggle for me now. I still have triggers trying to remember. We did something, but we had a garage sale a few weeks ago, which was a huge trigger for making me want to smoke and drink. I mean, there are just these moments, like I said, that I never expected it to creep up where I'm like, wow, whenever I did, there's so many things that I'm doing for the first time without those things, but I'm here. Oh, I went to Las Vegas. I went to Las Vegas, right? Like this huge, I mean, there was smoking in the casino in the hotel we were staying in. And can I tell you, I never once wanted a cigarette. I never once wanted a cigarette. But I did look at the people smoking and realized how happy I was that I wasn't a prisoner to that addiction anymore. You know, I went to a dance party with my girlfriends and I danced my booty off. I didn't need to drink to have fun with them. You know, and, and I didn't wake up in the morning and feel like garbage and embarrassed that I had said things like... Like We lie to ourselves and tell ourselves that we're more fun or life's more fun. But let me tell you, like I, these last six months, although they've had struggles and journeys, I'm advancing the field. I'm feeling better in my life because I don't waste whole days feeling stupid over the choices that I made the day before. And so whatever that big, hairy, scary goal is to you, put it out there. And then get some accountability. Find a friend. Tell someone. I will say, although I wasn't brave enough to share it with an audience yet, I definitely, because sharing my life on this type of a platform, it is vulnerable, y'all. It is terrifying to put your stuff out there. Because I am a recovering people pleaser. I want everyone in the world to like me. I feel like everyone needs to like me. I used to feel like everyone in the world needs to like me. But here's the thing. If everybody in the world likes you, you aren't being true to yourself. There are so many flavors of humans on this planet. If you are not pleasing everyone, then I can promise you, you are not pleasing yourself. And so I, I just, I'm recovering from that, right? It's okay. Everyone doesn't have to like everything I say, or I do, but, but bringing your life to that, that platform I feel called to do it. I, I truly feel there's something inside of me that God wants me to share with the world. And that is why I share it. He put that seed in there. It's my job to cultivate it. And right now I'm trying to, but that doesn't mean I'm not scared. I was terrified to share on that level. But I did tell several of peop- of the people close in my life that this is what I was doing and asked them to hold me accountable to it. And so if there's something you want to do, first of all, make a goal and decide that you won't quit until you reach it. It doesn't matter how many times you fail. I failed for a year, but I'm here, and I'm here, and I'm successful at it right now because I didn't quit. And then find some accountability. Find a person, a counselor, a parent, a best friend, a sibling, whoever, someone that that shares your values and goals, and ask them to hold you accountable, or to help you, or to be, you know, your phone a friend, like whatever. But you you can do and change your life. You just have to decide to. You just have to decide to. So I just wanted to share my big, hairy, scary goal. And I'm still in it, right? It's only six months. I have six more months to make it through. I got to go through the 4th of July. I got to go through... Labor Day, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's Eve, right? I got to go through, well, actually, technically, I don't have to go through New Year's Eve. This New Year's Eve was my first New Year's Eve. I actually quit the day after Christmas. That was my day number one, December 26. So, um, and who knows, maybe when I get there, I'll see that the quality of my life is so much better than it was before that maybe I won't choose to have that glass of wine or cocktail. Not really a beer girl, not going to lie. But, maybe I will maybe I won't I don't know I don't know where I'll be at then but I do know this it is so powerful every time I realize how many yeses are under my belt and saying yes I choose me and no I don't choose that substance right like it's a powerful powerful journey so I just really encourage you guys to be brave be bold Go out there and chase your dreams and get healthy. Get healthy and get happy, friends. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed day today. And I will talk to you all next time.